Welcome to Flip the Script Podcast. All right, so today we're going to continue with Alexander Scholzenitsyn's The Gulag Archipelago. So if you haven't listened to the other episodes that I did on this topic, go back and listen to it. I'm going to be starting off in chapter four. This book is many different books put together into one volume. So as we go through the book, you have multiple chapter ones, multiple chapter fours. Um, so we're in one of the chapter fours. Like I said, I'm going to be skipping around. Uh, so if you want to get the whole book, obviously go out and buy it and check it out. Uh, before we get started, make sure you hit that like button, hit the subscribe button, uh, share this video and this podcast with your friends so that uh, they can enjoy this information as well. Here at Flip the Script Podcast, we're all about uh, learning lessons from the past, right? But the warrior mindset, leadership, tactics, and lessons that could be learned from people who have been through it. And we're going to read those lessons in history, and then we're going to apply them going forward into our daily lives, right? So right now we're focused on the gulag and the Soviet Union, communism, socialism, the horrors that come with those things. All right, so we're going to get right into it. This is chapter four, the archipelago hardens. And the clock of history was striking. In 1933, at the January session of the Central Committee of the Communist Party, the great leader, who at the time was already computing the number of two-legged beings who had yet to be exterminated in this country, declared that the dying off of the state so firmly promised by Lenin and fervently expected by humanists would not come about through weakening of the state, but on the contrary, through the strengthening of it to the utmost, which is necessary in order to kill off the moribund class. So the moribund class, the moribund means at the point of death. These are individuals who have been in the labor camps that were still alive, but were hanging on by a, hanging on by a thread. They were, they were about to die. So they're wanted to exterminate these people, right? All right, so let's continue. This was so unexpectedly brilliant that it was not given to every little mind to grasp it. But Vizianinsky, a very loyal apprentice, immediately picked it up. And this means that the maximum strengthening of the corrective labor institutions. So to implement the plan of executing the moribund class, they decided to strengthen the power of these labor camps. Right. And basically turn it up a notch. Right. All right. So let's continue. Entry into socialism via the maximum strengthening of prison. And this was not some satirical magazine cracking a joke either, but was said by the prosecutor general of the Soviet Union. So the prosecutor general of the Soviet Union said himself that the entry into socialism was to be brought about through the strengthening of the prison systems. Right. And the Iron Curtain descended around the archipelago. No one other than the officers and sergeants of the NKVD could enter and leave via the camp gatehouse. The harmonious order of things was established with the Zeks themselves would soon come to consider the only conceivable one. All right, so they put a lockdown on these prison camps. Nobody's allowed to go in through the main gates except for the officers, the sergeants of the NKVD. The NKVD um, 
was basically the interior ministry of the Soviet Union. Okay. So unless you're a Soviet Union official, you're not going into these labor camps. So now ask yourself, why would they want to keep out anybody who's not the interior ministry of the Soviet Union from these labor camps to go in through the front gate? It's to keep out the media, keep out the public, right? So if you have a family member in one of these labor camps, you're not going there to visit them. If you're in the media and you want to see what's going on, you're not getting in there. So they put an iron curtain on it. So it means that basically nobody in the country will know what's happening in these labor camps. That's a big issue, right? All right, so let's continue. And that is when the wolf's fangs were barred. And that is when the bottomless pit of the archipelago griped wide. I'll shoot you in tin cans, but you're going to work. If there aren't enough railroad ties, I'll make one out of you. That was a quote from an official in the Soviet Union. Also, as Zek said that the the word Zex, that was, I guess that's Russian for inmate. So if you hear the term Zek, the Zex, that means that talking about inmates in the labor camps. So they say that in February and March of 1938, the secret instruction was circulated in the NKVD to reduce the number of prisoners and not by releasing them, of course. All right. So they want to reduce the number of inmates in these gulag labor camps, but not by release. So then in what way would they reduce the population of the labor camps if it's not through being released? It's through death, right? So let's continue. I do not see anything in the least impossible here. This was a logical instruction because there was simply not enough housing, clothing, or food. Gulag was grinding to a halt from exhaustion. So basically they wanted to reduce the prison population in these labor camps because they didn't have enough housing, they didn't have enough food, they didn't have enough clothing to give these inmates. So they had to reduce the population, but they didn't want them to be released. They wanted them to die. That is when the Pelagra victims lay down and died in mass. So Pelagra was a type of, it's a type of a disease. Your body's deficient or something. So your body's completely weak. Uh, it's missing something nutritionally. And uh, so this is when those, the people who were suffering from Pelagra um, died in, in mass, mass casualties, people died. So that means they probably starved them out um, even more, right? This was when the chiefs of the convoy began to test the accuracy of the machine gun fire by shooting at the stumbling Zex. Okay, so not only were they starving, but then they also decided to test out the machine guns on the Zex, the inmates that were just stumbling around. They just executed them all, testing out their machine guns. This is the Soviet Union. This is the communist socialist utopia that people like Bernie Sanders idolize. And they just murder people in labor camps because they could. This is the socialist utopia. The orderlies hauled the corpses to the gatehouse, stacking them there. So they would just stack up these bodies in front of the gatehouse, go do probably a mass grave or a mass cremation. Who knows when the family members of those who were slain would even get to find out that their loved one who was taken off to the labor camp has died in the gulag. According to regulations of Ivan Simonovic, 
who was a commander of the 40th Division of the 12th Corps, who recently died, and with his notes incomplete and scattered, the most dreadful, cruel system of food, work, and punishment was established in the Kolyma. The prisoners were so famished that the Zarzowski Spring, they ate the corpse of a horse which had been lying dead for more than a week, and which not only stank, but was covered with flies and maggots. The conditions in these gulags, especially the one in uh, near the Kolyma River up in Siberia, became so bad that the inmates ate a horse that was dead for weeks. Not just did it smell, it was covered in flies and maggots, but they had no choice, had nothing else to eat. The socialist Soviet utopia. People like AOC, Ilhan Omar, Bernie Sanders, the squad idolize. This is what happens in socialist and communist countries. They become tyrants. And the only way that they can exercise their will is to lock up the opposition or anybody who talks in a negative light about the state into prison camps. So imagine if Bernie Sanders and the squad got their way and you protest something. You get locked up. You get put in a gulag. This is what they want. This is what they model themselves after. This is not a joke. This is not hyperbole. This is what they want. This is how they think. This is what they believe in. They love the Soviet Union. They love everything the Soviet Union did. Bernie Sanders took his honeymoon in Moscow. He received most of his socialist ideas from the Soviet Union, if not all of them. He's a supporter of the gulag by default because he supports and he likes the Soviet Union way of life. And the archipelago gulag is part of that. These people are tyrants. They want full government control. And anybody who speaks out against the government is an enemy in these people's minds. All right, let's continue. Let's flip the script. At Utani Goldfields, the Zex eat half a barrel of lubricating grease brought there to grease the wheelbarrows. Whoa. At this place, Udity Goldfields, the Zex inmates, they had nothing else to eat except for grease, lubricating, a lubricating grease that was brought there to grease up wheelbarrows. And they ate half a barrel of it because they had nothing else to eat. They needed something to fill their stomach up. And the only thing that they had was this wheelbarrow grease. Can you imagine that? At Mylaga, they ate Iceland moss like deer. When the passes were shut by snowdrifts, they used to issue three and a half ounces of bread a day at the distant gold fields without ever making it up for previous deficiencies. Multitudes of goners, unable to walk by themselves, were dragged to work on sledges by other goners who had not yet become so weak. Those who lagged behind were beaten with clubs and torn by dogs working at 50 degrees below zero Fahrenheit and were forbidden to build fires to warm themselves. This is crazy. The conditions in these archipelagos, the gulags were horrendous. And we're not taught this in school. We're taught about the concentration camps of the Nazis and rightfully so. We should learn about those. We should know about the horrors in those camps. But we don't talk about the horrors in the Soviet Union's camps. You have to ask yourself, why is that? Why is it that we do not teach the youth about the gulags in the Soviet Union? It is because the institutions that run our education system, the progressive left, they model themselves after 
the Soviet Union. So it would be detrimental to their bottom line to show the horrors of the Soviet Union. All right, so let's continue. Let's flip the script. Of course, the war at the very start was such that it might very likely have led to the breakdown of the entire archipelago and perhaps even to the employers having to answer to the workers. As far as one can judge from the impressions of the Zeks from various camps, the course of the events gave rise to two different kinds of conduct among the bosses. Some of them, who were either more reasonable or perhaps more cowardly, relaxed their regime and began to talk with the prisoners almost gently, particularly during weeks of military defeats. They were unable, of course, to improve the food or the maintenance. So leaders, when the war started, the leaders of the archipelagos, that there was two different types of leaders. One who made relationships with the prisoners, talked to them, treated them semi with dignity. Although they couldn't fix the horrible food and maintenance issues of the camps. But then you had another type of leader. Others were more stubborn and more vicious, began, on the contrary, to be even stricter and more threatening with the 58s. So the 58s were, was the article of the Soviet law that was used to imprison, lock up people into the gulags. And that was the uh, Article 58 or Title 58, whichever one it was. They were called 58s. So if you were in this gulag prison camp and you were 58, that means you were brought here because of government the government locks you up. The government saw you as a threat to the state and they used that article 58 to imprison you. So they became even stricter on the 58s as if to promise them death before liberation. And in some camps, they began to isolate the 58s from the non-political offenders in compounds guarded with particular strictness, put machine guns up to the watchtowers and even spoke thus to the Zeks who had formed up your hostages. From the first days of the war, everywhere in the archipelago, they halted all releases of 58s. There were even cases of releases of prisoners being sent back to the camp while on their way home. So can you imagine that? You're sentenced to the gulag, the archipelago, you go there, you do your time, and now you're set to be released, and you're on your way home, and then they go and grab you again. They stopped all releases of the 58s. All political prisoners' release was shut down. June 23rd, a group released was already outside the perimeter waiting for a train when a convoy chased them back and even cursed them. It's because of you the war began. When the war had already come to an end and many camps, they were forbidden to even go to the classification or record section and ask when they could be freed. The point was that after the war, there were not enough people for a while and many logical administrations even in Moscow, allowed them to release prisoners, issued their own special orders so as to hold them for manpower. So even after the war, they were allowed to release prisoners, but it was at the discretion of the camps themselves, unless the prisoner had received special orders to remain in the camp. So the, even though that inmates were allowed to be released, they were being held on special orders they weren't even allowed to go to the records or the classification departments of these camps and find out when their release is. Absolutely a nightmare. Right, so Solzhenitsyn goes on to say, here's what the wartime camp was. More work and less food, less heat, worse clothes, and ferocious discipline. 
and more severe punishment, and that still wasn't all. For the 58s, the wartime camps were particularly unbearable because of the passing on second terms, which hung over the prisoners' heads worse than any axe. Security officers basically engaged in saving themselves from the front, discovered in well-set-up backwaters and backwoods and logging expeditions, plots involving the participation of the world's bourgeoisie, plans for armed revolts and mass escapes. Such are the forms into which the islands of the archipelago hardened. All right, so we're going to end here for today. Uh, as you can see, the gulags during the Soviet Union time were hectic, heinous, chaotic, brutal, ferocious. If you went to these gulags, you almost had a very, very slim chance of making it out. You're going to be malnourished. You, depending on where you live, you may be frozen. You will be forbidden from making fires to warm yourself. You resort to eating horses that are have been dead for weeks with maggots and flies crawling around it. You can't get any visitors. You can't correspond with your loved ones back home. It's a complete another shutdown. And even if you did make it to release, you were given a second term. If you were one of those arrested under Article 58 and you were a political prisoner, you weren't getting out for a long time, if you made it. They had one guy at the train station waiting to go home and they came and snatched him back up and he spent another five years in the gulag. This is how communism and socialism keeps control over the population. If you're considered a political enemy, you'll be rounded up and put up into one of these labor camps. So we see some of this happening today. We need to seriously be on the on guard and really observe and learn from what has happened in the past. They're trying to suppress the truth from us because if we know what happened in the past, we can see what will happen in the future and we could prevent it. They don't want it to be prevented. They want it to be repeated. Ilhan Omar, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, the rest of the squad, Bernie Sanders would love nothing more than to round up everybody who doesn't agree with them and put them into the gulags. This is not, I'm not being hyperbolic. This is not a joke. I'm being dead serious. That is their dream. They are communists, socialists, who idolize Karl Marx and Lenin. And they fully, 100% believe in that whole ideology. Everything that comes with it including the gulag. We have to be alert. We have to stay sharp. So we need to stay in shape. Keep our minds straight. Your mind is very powerful. The more knowledge you know, the more you read, the more you could start seeing clearly of the nonsense that is being put out in the media. The media is doing nothing but lying to us. They're lying to us about everything. Everything. I don't, there's nothing true that's coming out of the mainstream media. It's all deception. So we need to be able to see around this. We need to stay focused. Keep our eyes open. Keep our ears open. Stay in tune to our instincts. If something feels not right, doesn't make sense. It's because it probably doesn't make sense. And then there's no sense to be made. Feel that intuition. 
something feels like it's not right, it's probably not. We have instincts inside of us for a reason. Listen to them, feel it, put it into context with things that you're seeing and things that you're hearing. Make a rational decision as to whether what you're being told and what you see for your own self, if those things line up, dig deep, do some research, find out where is the discrepancy coming from. Think about things carefully. Plot your moves in a strategic manner so that every move that you make has a benefit for down the road. Make backups to your backups. Have contingency plans. What are you going to do if this happens? Stay on alert. Stay sharp. This is Flip the Script Podcast. See you next time. Hit that like button. Hit the subscribe button. Hit the share button. See you next time. Flip the script out.